All right, guys, welcome back to the Buck Fever Podcast. I'm Noah. I'm Jake. And today's episode is going to be all about tree stands. Now, before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that this podcast is available not only on YouTube, uh, but also pretty much anywhere else that you can get a podcast, um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts being the big ones, but it's pretty much available everywhere. So wherever you get your podcast, go look for it. Uh, the Buck Fever Podcast, it should be up there. If you want to watch it specifically, you'll have to watch it on our YouTube channel, which is Buck Fever Outdoors. So let's get into it. Uh, first things first, you got to know when to put your tree stands up. So, I mean, that typically it obviously has to happen before the season, but how early is too early? When is like, when's the right time? Uh, I'd say we're usually between like May and June. Okay. July at the latest. I mean, if we can't find a weekend to go do it, usually May or June, that gives you enough time to um, get up there and see if you like it or not, or make changes and trim everything. Basically, that's kind of the main thing. I've actually found that putting them up that early and then trimming them doesn't really like you almost got to go back there in like August, like not too late August, but like mid August to make sure that nothing else is grown because over the summer that'll happen. I know a couple times when we put them up there in May or early June, I'll get up there opening weekend or the first time sitting in that stand. I'm like, wow, I cannot shoot like half the spots I thought I would be able to shoot. So yeah, that stuff can grow pretty fast on you. So Definitely, if it's up there a little bit earlier, that's something you got to make sure that you can still shoot in all the spots that you want to be able to shoot. Um, In certain stands, depending upon where you put them, that might not be as big of a factor. But I think there's something to be said for having them up early enough that deer can kind of get used to them being there, especially if you have to put a lot of stands up in a certain area. You want to make sure that they're kind of used to that, that all of a sudden that doesn't just show up a week before the season and now they're like freaked out like what is this thing doing here whether you're in it or not so i think getting it up early enough that they can kind of get used to it but you also don't want it to be exposed to the weather for too long for no reason because they obviously can take wear and tear they can be expensive so you don't want to just be buying new tree stands every year especially if you have a lot of tree stands out there squirrels can tear them up we had one this year that a squirrel just apps just absolutely destroyed he that's, just ate the whole thing i'd say that's our biggest problem is the squirrels squirrels eating the seats or like trying to eat the seats mm-hmm. it's like a mesh fabric because ours are the ladder stands so they have the right. put down seats or that guardrail that comes down there's like that um little styrofoam yep. covered thing mm-hmm. they love that for some reason do you have as big a problem with the mesh seats it's only like a couple stands. I think it's more like where there's prominent squirrel activity, which sounds right. stupid, but like you can tell where there's a lot more squirrels when and not. And when they're when our stands are in those areas, they just they'll just chew on anything on there almost. Like even just the plastic parts of the stand, they'll try and chew on that. Yeah, that's it's definitely true that certain stands are worse than others. There's certain ones where even when you're sitting there, you just never see a squirrel, and then other ones. There's a ton, but we've had better luck with the mesh than with the foam. Anything foam, they just go crazy. So we don't even like when we had um, hang-ons, we'd we wouldn't like leave a seat cushion in each one. You just take one in your backpack everywhere you go because if you leave it, they'll just destroy it. Yeah, because it got to the point this year where 
Ben was sitting in one of them and it, they had just completely destroyed it. And so then there's all this foam that's just laying on the ground. That's kind of obvious and it's just, yeah, not a good situation at all. Um, so you definitely don't want to leave them out there too long for any of that. I think that May to June area is probably about right. You got to leave yourself enough time in case things go wrong because there's always something that comes up that you didn't expect. You're missing parts or pieces or something breaks. So you got to give yourself enough time. You don't want to feel like you're too crammed where now you're just going to be rushing to get them in before the season. You also probably want to, I mean, depends how early you get your cameras out. I don't know. That's kind of another thing. We usually don't put ours out till July, but if you put them out in June and you're getting a pretty good pattern on deer where you usually don't have a stand, that's it's kind of a good way to know when to put yours out so you can see what, what deer are doing and where they're going. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we tend to keep our cameras out pretty early just kind of for that reason to get a pattern on them and... Um, we just like to see the pictures. So we like having them out pretty much as early as possible. Um, I know you guys usually wait a lot longer on that, but I guess there's something to be said for that too. If you have your cameras out early enough, that might sort of dictate when you want to put up certain stands and where maybe you kind of hold on to them. And as you start to see activity in certain areas, you kind of pinpoint, okay, I've got these six stands and I need to figure out where I want to put them. Maybe some of them are going to be the same every year, but maybe some of them you want to look at, okay, where are the deer moving this year? Move some of your cameras around, kind of figure out maybe where the best spot is for some of those other stands too. So that's, that's not the worst idea. And then obviously along those lines, you're going to have different stands that are going to be used in different ways, right? So mm-hmm. between morning and night there's even a difference and then at different times throughout the season so i mean there's there's obviously a lot of different setups that you might want to be trying to get um so early season what what kind of things would you be looking for in a stand setup well for us early season we're probably not gonna get to the middle of the woods we're gonna hunt like edges or um pretty much just couple like maybe 100 yards into the woods somewhere where you're not going to bust them going in blowing through their bedding because we have probably i don't know three four five of those stands where like if you're going to go in there you're going to sit all day type thing or you go in mid-morning and because you know you're probably going to bump deer but if you get in there at the right time you're going to you're going to see a lot of deer at the same time so early season we're gonna and i guess it also depends on the crops that are planted if there's corn kind of hard to hunt the field because you're not gonna see anything right but for beans i love sitting on field edges and um just early season i don't like we don't like to disturb there we're gonna sit on water holes a lot which are pretty much right along our field edges too because the deer are lazy and they love those what that water and they're gonna they almost hit it pretty much like clockwork yeah early season you can definitely pattern them in in those situations too i agree early season you kind of have to be looking more like it's a marathon not a sprint be kind of conservative with where you're going to go sit um yeah you you definitely don't want to be bumping out deer where you don't really need to because you have that time 
unless you have one pattern and have a perfect win, kind of like a couple years ago when I had that one. But we wouldn't, we don't do that like every year. We're not gonna just send someone into the middle of the woods where we right. know there's deer just because we want to go see deer or something like that. But Blade Runner is a good example yes. for what happened, you know, with early season and he was on opening day. Yeah, we got a rare east wind and he was in there quite often and the deer that um caliber and maturity is gonna usually not I mean, they're gonna be smart, so it's kinda like if we didn't get him that first day and he came in there and I screwed it up or something, there's a good chance we who knows if we would have seen him again or even had another shot at him, so yeah, it was a, a boom or bust situation there, and I just remember that day, everything going wrong, you were sweating, and the, you said the leaves were super loud, and just didn't think it was going to work, but it ended up paying off. He was just betting, like, I don't know, probably 50, 60 yards to the from south. The f- right? From the food plot, yeah. Yeah, because we kind of had him pattern then during shed season we, we found the sheds in that area and we had known based on trail camera pictures and other things kind of knew like that's where they were bedding and, and that's where he was coming out of yeah i mean i he was in there like even when he was a three-year-old he was in there on that side of the property like all the time and he would he rarely was on the other side but i think he just felt comfortable over there and then when we were getting pictures of him pretty consistently I knew that going in there was risky, but it was opening day, so we had tons of leaves and cover. And for all I know, he probably just thought I was another deer walking in into the stand because I was going slow and kind of walking like a deer, basically. I was making a ton of noise because I couldn't find the path, but I think he just probably figured, oh, it's just another deer or something like that. And I had tons of cover. Like, you can't see unless you're they're in the food plot, basically. Yeah. So I think anytime you have a deer pattern like that, it's not the worst idea to just go in there after them because, like you said, you don't know how long that pattern's going to keep up. You don't know if he gets spooked, something happens, and next thing you know, you don't have a chance anymore. You don't want to wait too long on that. You want to make sure you go after him while you have a chance. So I think at any point throughout the season, if you have a deer pattern, it, it's not the worst idea to go in there after him. But if you're more like, well, we got a bunch of deer, they're they're all kind of still herded up. They're not really um, any specific deer that are specifically patterned in some way. Sitting over a bean field early season can be great because you can kind of start to put some of those connections together and sort of make some of those patterns. Like, oh, every time I sit here, I watch that deer come out of that spot he's coming out of the same spot in the woods maybe you don't even have a stand there but it'll kind of help you put together some of the pieces of the puzzle of where he might be betting where he's coming from and going to and what time so early season can be a great time to do a lot of scouting you know where, where you can just get eyes on deer figure out what they're up to kind of get uh a good consensus of of your your herd figure out what's going on i don't mind that as an early season tactic i honestly love early season um like bean field or egg field sits where you can see for five six hundred yards and just watch deer filter out and the the chance you're going to shoot one slim to none but i mean 
you're probably not going to get eaten alive by bugs if you're kind of in a fence line or um, something of that matter. And you can you just see a lot of deer, and I, I like that a lot. Right. I mean, that's ultimately it's just a fun sit to be able to do that early season, get out there where you can see a ton of deer. Um, and that's something you can do in the summer a little bit also if you have the time for that. Um, I, I think some people maybe would be worried about putting pressure on that, you don't need to put on in the summer but that also comes down to how you hunt it and how you sit it well we did a couple of those sits um summer sits like two years ago but we sat in gun stands so we weren't even right. weren't even putting any pressure on these deer and they had no idea we were there i mean we took the four-wheeler right to the stand and it didn't even bother them so i mean they weren't we weren't going into our bow stands if you can just kind of get on a field edge or something or even from your truck from the side of the road it doesn't it doesn't really bother them, in, yeah, in my opinion. It's, it's a little different in the summer than it would be in the season. You can kind of get away with some more of that. They're still in their summer patterns, and they're not quite in the mind frame of avoiding hunters at that point. I mean, even when we, would, when we were driving around this summer looking for just scouting basically around my property, there was so many beans, bean fields where we just stopped for like five ten minutes and we're just glassing because there's Mm -hmm. tons of deer and a lot of good bucks out there and they didn't they didn't have a care in the world oh and we saw some giants in that video too we we man we really saw some good deer so that can be one of the best times of year that's probably my favorite time of year because the anticipation of the season is so high and you just get to see all those deer um so moving into like october October lull maybe is going on. Sometimes that's a myth. Sometimes it's not. Does that kind of change then? Do you get a little bit more aggressive at that point? Do you hold off? Um, I would say we're still a little bit more conservative on that side at least. Kind of just trying to get a doe or uh, maybe a lucky buck here and there. But we're we're still pretty conservative. I mean, once we know that it's like rut or getting close to the rut then we'll get a little more aggressive but uh this we don't even hunt mornings really until the rut starts so i know you guys hunt mornings throughout the year and Mm -hmm. so you have more knowledge on that than i do and we're only evening hunters till about late october early november yeah i mean i like early season better than october i think so if it was up to me and it was a situation where I had bucks that I was going to be trying to go after. I think I would be more aggressive with them early season than I would into October, like getting closer to the rut before that happens. Once you're into the pre-rut even, it can be really great hanging over a a licking branch or um, just a a scrape line. Colby and Eli had big-time success with that this past year. Um, and during that kind of pre-rut phase, that that can even almost be a little bit better than the rut. So October is not a total wash. A lot of it depends on weather. We usually have some bad Octobers from time to time. I'm, I, I really just love the late season to, well, more so the rut to be able to push push down there because I, yeah. like, I like pushing the boundaries. My dad and uncle are a little more... Um, on the older school side, which is nothing wrong with that. And I think I've kind of um, brought awareness to them of like, hey, let's 
let's try and get in there and let's yeah. let's go see what we can do and it's it's worked and it's paid off recently and we've been seeing a lot more deer and had a lot more close encounters but i love pushing way down to where they're betting and getting as close to them as possible which is risk and reward but i almost killed one this this november doing that thing and i mean if we if you can get to where they're going and get as close as possible you have a way better chance without i mean obviously without spooking them being smart with the wind but um right. i love i live for november yeah i think i think in october as far as where you're gonna sit it, it probably has to transition a little bit more away from ag and maybe more onto some of the mass crop so if you've got acorns um apple trees if you've got them or if the neighbors got them wherever you can you can get between wherever the deer are and where they're going to those trees on the neighbors too that can be all right but um I, i've always thought october they kind of it, it's not that there's necessarily a lot i mean obviously the deer are still living somewhere they're just not maybe as visible and i think that's partially why because they can bed 30 yards off of a, a big acorn tree where there's is just going to be you know acorns for days and days and then they, they just don't have to really move as far and the weather's not like horrible in october in wisconsin so they have the yeah luxury usually. they don't have to move to i mean basically stay warm or anything like that like it's plenty warm where they can eat if they can eat sleep and get water all within a 50 yard radius they're not gonna move yeah so i, I feel like sometimes that lull is if you sat over that bean field in early september through september and then into october you're still sitting over that bean field it's probably going to feel like there's a lot less deer but it's not necessarily that i think they're just transitioning more into that you know the shady oak groves and well the and the deer usually aren't going to touch those beans when they're yellow right they're going to eat them when they're green and brown yeah in that yellow phase they won't they won't touch them which is i mean they will but like they're gonna more hit those acorns and stuff and that's usually like our october time when they're yellow so that that also plays a factor in trying to not sit on those field edges because more than likely they're going to be in the woods right and depending upon where you are and what the season is like they might already be picking some of the fields by october already going to be starting to take some of that off um and so they're they're definitely going to transition away from it at at that point obviously you could have combine spillage or whatever that could potentially attract some deer um but for the most part i i usually see them kind of transition more to the mast crop they're going after the acorns and um even just browsing on on shrubs and twigs and stuff because I've watched them do that too. It'll be the middle of October and they'll just be walking along feeding on leaves and whatever else. I mean, they, they pretty much eat everything. So I, I've seen that happen quite a bit into October where they just aren't maybe enjoying the, the fruitful bean fields and corn fields as much. They're, they're kind of on to other things. And so that can change up where you want to sit a little bit. I feel like time of day wise, it still kind of ends up being a a similar pattern. Um, I know you don't really hunt much in the mornings. 
like until the rut basically we usually do more out of a, a necessity because our land is so far away we can't really afford to go over there for a weekend and then not hunt in the mornings we kind of have to take every opportunity that we have so it's definitely a little bit different hunting in the mornings because you, you can't see when you're going in there so you have to more know where the deer are going to be so that you don't spook them because um, that's the last thing you want to do is, is walk in there and bump deer away especially on a morning hunt that's probably not going to have as high a chance at producing for you so you, you'd rather make sure you don't really bump any deer in the morning so that that afternoon's going to be a little bit better because we've seen that plenty too where you you bump them out in the morning and then the rest of the weekend can be pretty much shot so you kind of have to be careful about that i mean in the mornings they're going to be making their way back to bedding they're going to be pretty active right at first light and then they're just going to be trying to get their way back to bedding so you almost have to figure out how you can sneak in closer to their bedding while avoiding whatever their overnight food source is going to be so early season that's going to be a lot of those big fields so if you can get to a stand that's going to be on their way back from those fields back to their bedding and if you can get there while avoiding some of those big fields that you know they're going to be out in that can be pretty money um otherwise you kind of that, that's that's kind of your option there i mean water holes can be decent they can hit that on the way back to bedding but that's what they're going to want to do it gets hot in the early season they're going to want to be in the shade out just just in cover where they don't have to be out in the sun yeah not moving right not just trying to not being thirsty or anything like that just staying cool and out of the sun like you said and right conserving some energy and just kind of hanging out um when you get into october it's more it, it can be more of a challenge like that too because they might not you might not be able to count on them all being out in the fields and coming back to bedding they might be kind of lingering around some of those edges now because they're going to be feeding on acorns or whatever so you, you can't necessarily just count on walking through the woods and avoiding those big food sources and, and trying to get there in the morning so october mornings can be difficult too i'd say for the most part it still kind of holds true um but it can be really important to do your your scouting work in the afternoon so that you know where they're going to be in the morning so yeah i agree on that like that can that can play a huge role it's just looking into your your afternoon sits and figuring out okay this is where they're coming from so i know this is kind of their bedding area and then this is where they're going to and i can kind of expect them to be in this area over this food source in the morning when i'm going to come back to it because um, that's that's the biggest thing is, is you just want to avoid bumping them in the morning and get into where you're going to be able to basically usher them back to their to their beds for the day that's kind of the morning strategy and then i know you guys have more like blind stands than we do yeah um do you prefer that more than a tree stand 
Um, or certain I, occasions, I should say. Right. I, I think it, it certainly depends. Um, the, the cover is certainly better the more walls that you put up. Um, but it, it can also take away a lot of visibility, a lot of mobility. It's harder to move around in there. Um, it, it can kind of save you a little bit i mean we see it with gun season right you hunt out of one of those because it, it gives you a lot more forgiveness but you also have a gun that gives you a lot of forgiveness because now you don't have to shoot a deer that's 20 yards away it can be 200 plus yards away and you can still shoot it but if you're hunting out of any sort of a blind whether it's a ground blind or more of like a gun stand up in a tree or elevated in any way um and you're still hunting with a bow, you still got to be able to get pretty close to them, which can make it a, a bit of a challenge still. Um, I find the biggest issue with that is being able to shoot at a downwards angle because when you get up in one of those stands, it looks like you have a lot of room, but then when you range like where 20 or 30 yards would be, you've got to shoot pretty low. You're not going to be able to do it sitting down. So you're going to have to stand up and then when you stand up, you're going to have to make sure that you can both be standing up, have your bow up. And when you shoot, not have your, the arms of your bow, the limbs slam against the window or something. You can't just like hold it tight up there and then release your arrow and they're going to just slam against the wall. You can't have that. So now you got to stand back from there a little ways. As far as bow and I mean, if you had a crossbow, I think that's a different story. As far as compounds, compound bows go, I, I don't really like them as much. I think it's more reserved for early season if you're looking to have one of those just general like lookout observation sits where you're not necessarily trying to kill one. You're just trying to gain some information um bad weather those aren't bad if it's either not go out in the woods at all because it's rainy or snowy or windy or whatever or go sit in a spot where you're probably not gonna kill a deer but at least you get out in the woods and give it a shot and, and get to enjoy that time I, I think then that's obviously the answer there um i, I think the only other time where i would really pick a stand like that would be if we had one patterned because if you had one patterned and that's where your stand is we hunt primarily with ladder stands so it's not really an easy feat to just say okay we've got one pattern in this spot we don't have another stand there let's tear down a ladder stand and put it back up in this spot that that's probably not going to work very good noisy Right. I, I agree on the those like um gun stands, so to say, for us at least. The only time I'll ever sit in those with the bow se- for bow season is when it's raining yeah. or snowy. And we did that this year with my dad and I and we could have shot two bucks, two littler bucks that came by, but I tried standing up and like drawing back on some turkeys and stuff that I was gonna try and shoot, but it's hard. It, it's hard. And that stands four by eight. I could shoot the long way, but like looking out in front of us I would have I would had to angle pretty good to not hit everything, whether it was my elbow or, like you said, the front of my bow. And so they're they're difficult. I mean, obviously you get a redneck or 
something like that, which is made for that because it's the octagon shape. Yeah. That's a little different. It can be nice. I think, too, with, with a stand like that, you probably would rather be over a food plot. Which is, I think, what most of those are. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a food plot, especially like a, a smaller one where you could maybe shoot to the whole thing, would be a better situation than sitting over an ag field. I mean, a lot of gun stands in Wisconsin are over ag fields. So if you're sitting there, it's going to make it real tough to get a shot. If you do have like a redneck, that's an octagon. So you got a little bit more space and you're sitting over a food plot that has, you know, that's small enough that you can shoot over all of it or most of it. I think that could be a different story, but I always, I feel like when you sit in a stand like that, you sort of let your guard down a little bit and kind of stop hunting where, you know, maybe you're on your phone more than you would be if you were just out in the open or you're making more noise than you would be if you were out in the open or you're not worrying as much about which way the wind is blowing and controlling your scent. You get a little bit more carried away with wrappers and bottles and stuff like that. I I feel like sometimes you sit in a stand like that and then subconsciously you kind of go, okay, well, I have all these walls, so they can't see me as much. They can't hear me or smell me. So I can kind of get away with more. And I feel like I I just don't, I just don't trust that. I don't think it's a good way to hunt. I think the rednecks are a lot more forgiving because those are more like proven to be scent controlled Yeah. more so than like say one that we built or something like that, that that's different because we, we pretty much have to keep those windows open the whole time because you're not sliding those open very easily without spooking a deer, whereas those rednecks, those are super easy, just yeah, really quiet and stuff like that. So I agree. I, I still think, obviously, if I have the choice, I'm going to sit in a bow stand or like a, a tree in a tree because that's just who I am. I like being able to see. I, I hate not being able to see long distances and just see in general. So Right. Do you – so – Another thing is you like to be pretty high up. I wish we were higher than what we were. Yeah. So like probably three, two or three years ago, we switched to uh, ladder stands um, compared to hang-ons. My dad and uncle are getting older. Hang-ons aren't obviously as safe. I mean, you can get those lifelines. We just didn't invest in those before we invested in ladder stands before that. And we had wood ladders and they were like, steps were busting out as you were climbing up them and it just wasn't a good situation but those were upwards of like 18 19 sometimes 20 feet up in the air and i love that i i really enjoyed i like getting up as high as possible and no yeah. one knows that um that one stand i shot my buck blade runner out of that one's in a pine tree that you have to climb up our old ladder and then climb up a couple more branches in the tree to get to the stand and that, that one's probably 20 23 feet something like that that's a sketchy stand. Yeah, um, once I mean, once you get in there, you're good because you throw a harness on, but you got to basically climb around the tree on branches and stuff, but it, it's a sweet stand because you're way up there and you're hidden. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely the higher you can be, the more forgiveness is going to be there, the more cover you're going to have where you shouldn't have to worry about the, the visuals as much, I guess. Our ladder stands now are at about... I think they're about 15 
to the platform right around there. Yeah. I wish there was another section of like another three foot ladder section. That'd be perfect. 18 feet. It's a pretty good height. If you ask me, I, I really, I think that's a reasonable height, not too high, not too short type thing. Don't get me wrong. We've had a lot of success out of these 15 foot sands. I've probably shot four or five deer out of them already. So it's not like they don't work or anything like that. I just, I just like to be higher. I yeah. feel like you could have a better uh, advantage to see and your shot opportunity might be a little um little greater but that's just me who I think I would test the limits maybe a little more and shoot farther than my uncles and dads would so when you're in one of those higher stands do you have to do more branch trimming do you end up with more branches in the way or less being that extra little bit up I'd probably say more just because you're higher up so all those branches are that are lower than you you're gonna have to trim that you maybe one head trim if you're 15 feet because you're shooting more like this at 15 but at 20 23 you're more shooting down so you gotta yeah. trim quite a bit more but you just got to be smart about it and not trim like six lanes for each direction you can shoot you're just gonna have to pick a couple of them how many lanes do you usually cut because we this year we started to buy more ladder stands we've put them in better areas more focused on different wind directions and where we know deer are usually coming from or going to and so we had some where it was like you could only shoot in front of you that was it you weren't going to get a shot behind you or to the sides you just had that one spot where you could shoot and that just provided all kinds of extra added cover that they weren't going to be able to see you as easily from these other areas. I think that's a great idea. As long as if you know deer are going to come into that spot, like every time you sit there, if you're going to see a deer, they're going to come there. I think that's a great idea. Keeps you hidden. You don't got to worry about trying to shoot different ways. If you can't even shoot that way. So then what's the big deal? You just got to focus on shooting in front of you. And then you know exactly what your yardages are and that you're not going to hit anything. Right. If you got a giant area in front of you, that's, wide open you don't have to worry about anything i mean you get into some of um our stands that are in the middle of the woods you got trees everywhere you got branches or little twigs that are coming off of trees that you might not even see and i mean you've seen it before at least i have in tons of like hunting videos online you see people smoke a branch they didn't even know it was there the arrow deflects deer just runs off like nothing happened so yeah it, it's definitely a balance that's kind of tough to strike because sometimes you get going and you're like, well, you know, that branch could get in the way. It probably won't, but it could, let's take it down. That one, take down, take down. And then before you know it, you have no cover left because everything's just gone. Yeah. You just cleared out the woods. I'm really bad at that because I get a really itchy trigger finger on the chainsaw. Yeah. I just love cutting stuff down. So right. I kind of got to back off on that and more. So just think, okay, would I rather have no cover and 360 degrees of shoot or tons of cover with 120 degrees of shoot? Yeah, because I'm usually more on the side of having that cover and making sure that you put a stand kind of in that spot where you can't really let deer get behind you because you need to have a spot where you're going to try and blow your wind towards anyways. You know, So if you're going to try and blow your wind a certain direction, you usually want that to be because you don't expect deer to be coming from that direction. So I, I think you got to try to limit the shooting lanes a little bit. You kind of have to limit it down a little bit. And, 
you know, it depends on what you're sitting over too. If you're sitting over a food plot, you're going to be, except if you have a tree that's in the middle of it and you put a stand up in there, like you've got, um, it's kind of on the edge, but kind of up in the middle. So like for you, it doesn't work as much, but if you're going to be sitting over a food plot in a ladder stand, you're probably going to be on the edge of the food plot. Yeah. We got two of those that are right on the edge, which makes it a little bit easier. Almost than, more so almost set like kind of back off the food plot yeah, a little bit, which I like. Because you don't want to just be right out in the open on a food plot like that. you you got to have a little bit of that cover. So tucking yourself back a little bit can be another good way to do it. And the, our stands that are on our food plots are up in pine trees, which I, I really like putting them in pines because those things, obviously, they hold their needles all year long. Unlike a normal tree, which is going to lose their leaves in the rut, you're just bare, wide open. Yeah. So I really, I think those pine trees that give a really really good cover especially from like the back because we put them we're pretty much sitting like with the tree behind us not like if the tree's like this and you put your stand off to the side of it where the deer are going to be able to see like see movement or a shadow where we're right in front of it and the base of the tree is right behind us so it's worked out well we've killed quite a few deer like that yeah because even if you don't have any branches or anything cover in front of you you want to make sure you have it behind you so that they can't like see your silhouette and see that you're there which using the trunk of a tree is pretty good but then having some branches too so that it's a backdrop and not just you like up against the sky where they can just look up and see you obviously that's not going to work well and that's another thing with ladder stands like with hang-ons we could be able to put a tree up we could put the ladder on the back side of a tree and hang the stand on the front side of the tree because you could easily just like get up the ladder and step around that with ladder stands you can't do that if if you can't get your ladder up the front you gotta figure out a different tree to put it in which is kind of been a little learning curve for us because in trees we used to have stands we couldn't put that in there anymore because right. we have the ladders on the back side so so each season how you know early season october the rut late season what's kind of your rule of thumb for when you want to get into the stand well early season we like to get in probably closes at like what seven thirty opening weekend something like that right around there like four at the latest yeah at least three and a half hours because that's that time where those deer still feel comfortable and they're not spooked by anything they're going to come out and feed at five yeah. five five thirty for two hours before shooting light so if we can get in there if you can be patient enough and survive the bugs and heat i'd say get in there at three thirty, four o'clock because there's a good chance you're going to see quite a few deer all night long continuous towards like honestly for me later in the year i still get in with like three hours two and a half hours but i really rarely ever see deer until like the last hour or 30 minutes yeah it's just kind of how it is unless it's the rut then that's a different story but you got even like the october early october into middle and late october it's they're not really coming out until right at dark no at least the mature bucks i mean yeah you'll have your does and fawns but even them they're not going to come out until 45 minutes before shooting light and it's just kind of how it is but you got to be in early enough to make sure that you're not spooking them out of there and so i think that three hour to two and a half hour range is two and a half at the minimum but like three three and a half is always good especially if you got a nice day out and go enjoy the 
the woods and stuff like that so you don't have to or if it's raining then i might push it back a little bit just because you don't want to get soaked and sit out there and get everything wet for no reason yeah that's always the question of the day whenever we're hunting a a morning when do you want to get out obviously you got to get in there hopefully before dark now usually during the rut you you do that a little bit differently but for the majority of the season we're trying to get in there and pretty much be set up while it's still dark out so before sun's even up enough to be able to see let alone to be able to shoot usually want to be in there and set up and then it's about how late do you want to sit and when it's during the rut that's going to be more like an all-day type of sit but during some of those other seasons just like how they can only come out like an hour before dark they might only be out an hour after dark in the mornings and then kind of be going away so i mean obviously one of the things that can help you whether it's morning or afternoon throughout the year is trail camera pictures and being able to see you know what are the patterns of these deer around here are they what what time are they generally coming out because we can usually do that we can usually look at our trail cameras and say okay by 8 30 in the morning we're usually done getting pictures until like four o'clock in the afternoon so by nine o'clock it's pretty safe to say that all the deer are going to be back to their beds not necessarily huntable so it's kind of safe at that point to get out of there have some lunch watch football if if football's on and um you know kind of get ready then for the afternoon set and i think there's something to say about like you said what time do you want to get in there so early season this last year we had a buck kind of almost patterned coming into one of our watering holes um and he's coming in right at dark 20 minutes at the earliest before dark it's like oh you don't want to get you got to get in there three and a half hours earlier because we got does coming in at three o'clock and they're there all day long they're they're living close, so you, you kind of want to get in there earlier, even though you're not hunt. You're hunting the deer. You're hunting isn't going to come in till twenty minutes before shooting lights over. But those does are going to be in there, and you don't want to bust them out because if you bust them out and they're not in there, that buck might be like, "Well, what, what's going on?" I mean, these does, these other deer are usually always here, and they're not. So there's something to be said about that too. Then he's going to be on alert when he comes out. That'll never be good. And yeah, then you really got to buckle down and not bump those deer while you're sitting there too because you obviously don't want to walk in on them but when you're there early and then they come in on you you also don't want to be bumping them at that point and that stand that particular stand that i'm talking about where we have that water hole is 10 yards off the field edge i mean that one if, if you bump deer going in there that's because they're laying 10 yards from your stand yeah. So I, I really like that stand too. I, I used to hate it. <laughs> I used to never see deer there. I still usually don't see deer in the morning there if it's like a morning rut hunt. But the afternoons are killer there because they're gonna they come onto this field and that's almost where I got a shot at that buck. Yeah. And I I could have, but I just it just wasn't the right timing and a couple things weren't going right in the situation and they they come out and feed feed in that field and their bedding's they bed 50 yards to the south of me down a, a little ravine and there's a water hole and they, they just feel really comfortable there not a lot of pressure so it, it's a really good stand yeah so walk me through when the rut is finally here 
what what does one of those days look like as far as what kind of stand are you going to be picking when are you going to be getting there how long are you sitting all that good stuff so the rut's a little different for for my family at least and that's kind of how i was raised and we, we don't get in there until like it's pretty much breaking daylight close to shooting hours like we're walking in when the sun's coming up and you could legally shoot a deer basically um we do that for a couple of reasons just because the main reason being we've had multiple encounters where we're walking in and if you get that right buck or that right time of year they're gonna follow you because they think you're another buck and we've had it where my dad and i actually a couple of years ago we got set up we were sitting together because i was filming them and we're climbing up the ladder and we're like just getting set up and we hear here comes a little buck following us because he could hear us it was a pretty quiet morning and he thought it was another deer so that i mean that kind of gives you the a slim chance of obviously if you had one coming in you could shoot it but i mean that that's more rare but this we, year i was almost molested twice <laughs> i was only, i mean they because <laughs> they just came right up on me the one time we were we we just got out of the truck and the deer came like right from the truck and he was following me and he was just getting right up on me. And I let him get to like 10 yards before I finally freaked out at him and told him to go away. But he, I mean, he was just like, finally, and I could just see his eyes. Even when I would shine my light at him, I couldn't see even how big he was. It was still too dark at that point. I could just see his beady little eyes and he's getting closer and closer to me. And I'm freaking out because I know he's a buck and he's got antlers and they're sharp. I don't want to get charged or anything. Then there's another time we're walking in and I was with my brother at this time and we just walked up on one. He must have been bedded down. We were just walking down the driveway and we we almost stepped on him. We got to like five yards. Next thing I know, he's jumping out of the brush. He took a couple steps at us and then finally went and took off the other direction and he's just going full head of steam because we just got so close to them and they get in that mood during the rut that it and nothing really matters they're just they're crazy yeah i mean they don't care about anything they're gonna and it's like you guys are supposed to be afraid of me right now what are you doing Mm -hmm. so i definitely that that was never something that we really worried about during the rut as far as like getting in there in daylight still but now that makes a lot of sense and there's another like you could say you're going into a stand or like um an area where you know you're going to be able to see deer like from the ground you're walking in there right at daylight and you see a bunch of deer or maybe there's a buck chasing a doe in there you you could just sit down on the ground and wait or back out and come come to a different stand or get around them a different way and without bumping them because you got in there at that time where you can see the deer and instead of getting in there like in dark bumping mm-hmm. those deer out and you don't even know what they were before you got in there and then your day shot so that's just a couple of reasons and obviously we're not i'm not saying that's the right way to do it at all that's just how we've done it yeah it's probably screwed us over a, maybe a couple times but it's it's worked in our favor quite a bit and then during the rut you're going to be sitting all day a lot of late at least four hour morning sits usually yeah three to four hours and if, you, if it's a hot crazy day and you're seeing deer pack a lot of snacks because there's sometimes you're going to sit like there's a couple stands that we have that if you're going to get in there, you might as well just sit all day because you're probably going to see a lot of deer and there's no point in getting out and coming back in because you're just going to bump deer. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, we had one year during the rut where we decided not to sit all day. We got out after a long morning, went back, got a little bit of lunch. Uh, I think we went to one of the the local shops that had deer rifles, and, and so we were looking at different deer rifles that were just kind of passing the time um, before we were going to get back in there in the afternoon. We were going to get in there pretty early in the afternoon, um, and I want to say we were planning on getting back there about 12.30, 1 o'clock, maybe, let's say 1 o'clock, and half hour before we were going to get back there, target buck walks past the camera, right where my dad would have been sitting and could have easily shot him. So it, it during the rut, you just never know. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Those no. deer are just in a different mind state. You, you can't. Mind state, mindset. Yeah, you can't really pattern them. They're just kind of doing whatever they're doing. And that... So either you get in early, you bump them, you get in late, and you see them. It, it, there's no there's no rhyme or reason. No, you just you just got to get in there and try and hunt them. Yeah, I think if you can during the rut, you gotta sit as long as you can. Pull an all day sit. If they it's can possible. be long and boring and little action, but if you see the yeah. right deer, it, it can get real exciting real quick. I think the boredom is the easiest to overcome. It's more like this year we had just terrible weather so if it's raining or it's snowing or it's just super cold hurricane winds i mean yeah i i've never been that scared in my life there was one that day one we day, legitimately had hurricane force winds like 60 miles an hour came through and i had to hang on to my bowl like my dad got down and i ended up getting down eventually but i went back up there which was pretty stupid on my part now looking back at it because if that tree would have went i would have that would have been toast. Yeah. I mean, it was like there was trees in front of me that were basically like bent completely over. I mean, it was it was horrible. I mean, I, I don't mind a nice sunny Saturday afternoon when the trees are swaying just a little bit. And you can just kind of bob around with them, maybe nap for 15 <laughs> minutes or maybe an hour. <laughs> depends how it feels. But, yeah, that that's something else you can't have that where the it's not trees worth are it. bending over no yeah it, there there was one storm that came through up north this wasn't this year it would have been two years ago three years ago that like leveled a bunch of trees you remember that mm-hmm. you yeah it's not something to mess around with it's not worth it for a deer no and looking back at it i was probably just a little too i just that's what a spot stand I missed. I didn't even, I didn't shoot at that buck, but I had him come in. So I was just bound and determined to stick down there and try and get another crack at him. And it, it just wasn't worth it. To, and it's not the greatest conditions for them to be moving around anyways. What deer is going to get up and walk around when it's 60 miles, 60 mile an hour winds and they can barely even stand. I mean, right. I climbed down and brought my boat on with me and it was, I'm thinking in my head like, this is horrible. Like I'm texting my dad and uncle and they're, we're all texting. each other like, you guys all right. Did you guys get down? And yeah. Eventually, my dad and uncle both ended up moving to uh, gun stands, which are a lot sturdier, obviously. But I was stupid and stuck it out and ended up seeing, like, three deer. Not the one I wanted to, but... Yeah. So, when you have... When you're fortunate enough to have a, a good chunk of land to be able to hunt on, and you have a 
bunch of stands. You can't sit at all of them every time. So how do you go about picking which stand you're going to sit at at any given day? Well, so there's three of us that bow hunt the property that I hunt. So we have minimum of three stands for each wind. And obviously, like if it's a southwest or straight west, you can kind of get away with that. Or northwest and west are kind of set up for the same thing. The wind direction is is huge for us. And um, like we said, there's few and far stands we're going to hunt in the middle of the woods. with Even with the perfect wind, it almost has to be perfect condition. Um, and those stands are like for east winds, which is something we rarely get. But it's a uh, it's kind of like the the reward factor of waiting and and not going down there. You see you see good bucks and or deer you want to shoot and lots of deer. So, but mostly wind, uh, wind and the I guess it's the crop almost. What if you're sitting on a field edge like for corn? You're not going to sit there because you're only going to have a five yard window to shoot when they're coming from the corn the path to the woods. So that that's different, but. Do you mean like how we pick stands or who gets to pick where or more so how we just determine? Yeah, I mean just like just which one do you go to? Like let's say you're – Obviously cameras play a huge role in this too. Cameras play a huge role. Let's say it's late October. You've got your target buck patterned at a stand. He's coming in there. You know he's going to be there every day. You know what time. The only thing you don't know is how long is that pattern going to keep up. He could do it for another week or he could – have done it for the last time yesterday so you're getting ready you want to go sit that stand but the wind sucks you gonna sit there late october yeah i'd probably push it a little bit and try to if it's the second weekend i'm not gonna and the thing the only reason i say late october i would is because it's the rut and also because uh, time's running out for us all of our neighbors hunt all of them are older, retired people who can hunt every day if they wanted to, and a lot of them do. So we get those couple days where we might push the envelope a little bit. Early season, we're not gonna, and it's it's it may have cost us a few deer, but it's this you always got to bet on the deer. Yeah, bet on the deer to even if you were there and they come in and smell you, then you blow them out forever, so you don't even have that chance. If you bet on him, yeah, you might make that mistake, which they have and went over and crossed the property line and the the neighbors have killed him, but it's something you can do. You, you can't kill him if you blow him out or scare him yeah. before you even get a chance to hunt him. So. And that's the point is if it's when it comes to deciding where am I going to sit today, if you have a bunch of options, the last thing you want to do is bump deer by picking the wrong stand. And, you know, you can even – you you could bump deer – from them smelling you hundreds of yards away, you might not even know that they ever showed up that day. Mm-hmm. So you could think you didn't bump any deer, but you never even saw them because they smelled you that far away that they never even came in that far. I think we talked about this one podcast. I think it might have been with my dad that if we know there's going to be deer in this one, like say you want to go see a bunch of deer with the winds not right, you just you got to not suck it up, but be smart about it and go sit at a different stand right. because – you're not going to ruin anything from going to there and you still you still have a good, great opportunity to see deer you're just not going to see maybe the deer you're expecting to but if you go sit on the sand where you want to see those deer you're you're going to blow it up and nothing good's going to come from that so certain stands do you save then early season you're like oh that's going to be a great stand i could probably kill a deer there tonight but i'm going to save it 
Mm-hmm. Quite a few. Um, a lot of our food plots. Um, I try not to shoot or sit early season unless we have them patterned. Um, just because the deer feel comfortable in there. They come there. They know this is food for them. They can, they come here every night to eat and stuff like that. So yeah, there's quite a few stands actually that we don't hunt a lot until later in the year. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think for us, we have less stands, um, still some more options than we've had in the past, but it's a little bit more difficult to save some of them, but there was one or our one stand that probably was our best stand. We never even got to sit in this year because the wind was so bad. And then I guess you can go back and forth and say, well, then nobody shot a deer. You never got to sit there. Does it even matter then? Should one, should somebody have just sat there even on a day when the wind wasn't great? Because, you know, at the end result is still going to be the same. What did it matter anyways? But I, I think, I'm happier with just doing the right thing and staying away from that spot if it's not going to be the right wind because you, you don't know how it's going to play out. And I think avoiding a, a really good spot because sitting there could jeopardize seeing any deer in the future, I think that's not a bad not a bad move at all. It sucks at first, but in the long run it's this it's the right thing to do right it's hard to, to sit in a stand where you're like i don't know if i'm going to see any deer here and not sit in a stand that you're thinking i could probably kill a deer here today it's hard to make that choice but you don't you just don't want to educate them right because it's I, the worst thing you can do they're smart and they yeah. remember that they remember it they're going to come in there they're going to look up and be like yep or they might not even come in anymore they could stand hundred yards away and see you up in that stand and they go, yeah, but we're not coming in today type thing. And there goes your hunt. Yeah. I think it's the worst thing you can do to try and educate deer in any way. I think the more you can keep them in the dark, the better your odds are going to be at any time throughout the season. And like you, you said that, do we save stands for later in the year? Well, if we're basing it off the wind, it kind of just falls that way get a lot of prominent south winds in early season so a lot of our south wind stands are kind of like our early season stands type thing and the north northwest or later in the year i mean you get those in the early season but they're more just more so later in the year and right. a couple of those stands are down in swamps where there's so many leaves and it's just so tall thick green grass you you, you can't even see deer yeah you gotta wait for everything to lay down and some leaves to start dropping before you can even see deer in there. So it just, it's just how they are with all of our stands. And I think we got them strategically set up pretty well. I mean, they've been, my dad and uncles have been hunting it for like 30 years. Yeah. So they've known it a lot better than I do. I've got to learn it a lot more and I've pushed the envelope quite a bit more and I'm glad they let me. And I've already got more ideas for this coming up season, which they're probably not going to be too thrilled about at first, but I think it'll pay off in the future might involve hmm. taking the raft down the river and getting in one way but if you want to that would be a more of an all-day rut sit just right right or just the right situation with the right wind and maybe the right deer in a certain pattern i could see that working but um definitely exploring different areas on the property you know you can you can limit yourself pretty hard 
even on the biggest properties by just not going into certain areas. So the more you can kind of explore and the more options that you give yourself, even if it is a situation where your, you know, your property borders up to a, a creek that is plenty navigable with the right kayak or canoe or a raft or something like that. So if there's a stand that you could only get in by using that access, I mean, it, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just opens up the property that much more because now that's acreage that you can hunt that probably is pretty good that you couldn't get to otherwise. Yep, it's just, it's all but trial and error. Y- you don't know unless you try, and if you fail, well, then you don't have to go there again. And if yeah. it succeeds, though, then you got a pretty good spot. But that, that's kind of what I've taken away recently. You're going to fail a lot, but you're going to learn a lot, too. So when's the right time to take stands down then? Well, we just do it when it's convenient. It's convenient for us to do it on the last Saturday of gun season in Wisconsin just because we got a lot of hands up there, a lot of help. Not a lot of people are going to hunt late season. I mean, I do quite a – I try to, but I have my couple of my permanent stands that are up always so we can hunt those. And uh, if you're a big late season guy, I'd leave them up no later than the last couple days there because you can start to get into January snow rust everything's frozen super hard to take down when we do it in november it's pretty still decent out you can get them down pretty easily and you can still drive through the fields to get to them you're not trying to trug through snow and stuff like that so yeah because we made that mistake this year we just never got them down i think we thought that we were going to go back and maybe hunt it another time and then never did and then stuff just came up and we never made it back there to go take them all down so that we're gonna find out what happens when you leave them up there all winter i'm sure doing it just one year probably isn't the worst thing ever they'll be all right but i mean if you did it consistently and you left if you left your stands up for four years straight without even taking them down those ratchets aren't safe you're gonna start breaking those and yeah it's just not a good deal yeah i agree well to wrap it up um while we're talking about stands here, what what is your favorite type of stand setup? So doesn't matter what what time of year, just if you could only hunt in one setup, what would it be? Um, probably like hardwoods, which is something I don't have a ton of. Um, but that's something I really enjoy doing when I do get to do that. I mean, I love. I love seeing deer coming from a ways away and kind of like they're, I get not say their natural habitat, but where they live and do most of their, spend most of their time where they're bedding and stuff like that. I love like uh, larger woods areas to hunt. I mean, don't get me wrong. The fields are always fun to hunt in swamps, but I, I just really love hardwoods. Yeah. Those, those fields can be really nice like that early season. It's hard to turn down the chance at being able to sit over a bean field and watch 40, 50, 100 deer pile out and just get to watch them for an afternoon and get the binoculars up and and just be in the woods watching deer. It's kind of hard to turn that down, but I I think the best stand to me is a a spot in the woods, probably in some hardwoods, where a couple of hot trails converge or you've got a couple of trails running in some different directions in the same little area there the same little chunk of woods um because 
you know, early season, that's probably going to be a spot where they're going to be going between food and bedding. And then as the season goes on, they might be kind of checking some scrapes in there, running more of the scrape lines, getting into the pre-rut and the rut. So I, I think where you can have like known travel corridors that's between two areas, whether it's food and bedding or you know, between water and a mass crop situation or between a, a food plot and, and bedding. I mean, anything like that where there's going to be heavy traffic going through there. If you can get onto the kind of the backside of that where you can blow your scent behind it and maybe it all kind of depends on the topography too because um, you have to be able to blow your scent in a certain direction where they're hopefully not going to be traveling. You don't want to just be right in the middle of it or you're going to spook a lot of deer that way. So you got to have the right situation, the right elevations and, and things like that. But if you can get to a spot where maybe there, it's more of a funnel, so you've got heavy traffic in this 30 or 40 yard wide chunk of woods, but you can get on the edge of it where you can blow your scent out over a cornfield where you don't expect any deer to be and out in front of you is the whole funnel where they're all going to be moving that can really be money especially if you set it up right if you put in a man-made water hole or licking branches you know mock scrapes uh, if you plant your own apple trees i mean there's a lot of like land improvement things that you could do to make a spot a little bit better too but those those travel corridors like that you can't beat them yeah, I, I agree. I like the like the big woods and the in between bedding areas and traveling areas to get to food. I just I, I really enjoy those hunts. You ever fallen out of a tree stand? Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> we weren't. I wasn't even hunting it. Taking them down, brand new. Our first year taking these tree stands up and down. Uh, I didn't do enough research. And for a ladder stand, there is a stabilizer bar, which is like your fifth, sixth rung up, five, six feet off the ground probably. Yeah. Um, and as I learned quickly, that is the first thing to come off when you take them down and the last thing to go on when you put them up. If you don't take it off the first thing when you're going to take them down, you get up there and you undo your first ratchet strap and you undo your second one and it's almost like a spring and it just the tree stand just flings right off the tree and next thing you know you're you're riding it down as far as you can until you jump off about a couple feet off the ground and that's that's what i did i uh i unratcheted it the first one and i could feel a little tension but i didn't think nothing of it first one i take down do the second one and it like boom pops off the tree and i thankfully i could like i hit a back hit another tree behind me so i like pushed off that and then i tipped over and I rolled it down, and right before I hit the ground, I just flung off it, and thankfully, I was decent. I mean, I was all right. I yeah. ended up having knee surgery a couple weeks later. Well, due it wasn't to a, from that. Well, it could have. It could have been prior to it. It, it was been. messed up to begin with, but yeah. it definitely didn't help landing like that. That could have made it worse, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a good piece of advice, I guess. Yeah, take the, take the stabilizer bar out first so that you don't launch yourself off of the tree. Yeah, that, it, it was a learning curve, and I know my dad was there, and he watched the whole thing, and it was it, it was kind of scary, honestly, because there's no joke falling out of tree mm -hmm. stands. I mean, 
unfortunately it claims a few lives i think every yeah. year yeah it's nothing to be uh you know we can joke around about it now because you were all right but it, you can't take it lightly it, it, it's serious stuff i mean it can really you're working at heights like that anytime you're gonna fall it doesn't take much you land the wrong way even if you land the right way you break enough bones and depending upon where you are and who you're with i would I mean, say if you're gonna take down stands bring someone with no matter what yeah never know what's gonna happen you fall out there by yourself no one can no one's gonna find right. you or hear you for till they start looking for you so and half of the old timers out there don't bring a phone with them yeah you fall down even if you just break your ankle and you can't walk around well if you can't call anybody or whatever i mean how is anybody gonna know people are gonna have to come looking for you at dark when you don't come back so that's that's good advice too make sure you got a phone some way to communicate with people let people know where you're going to be going and if you can bring an extra set of hands it'll make it easier too. just get mm -hmm. the stuff down yep yeah all right well if you're watching this on youtube thank you guys for watching um leave us a comment um it could be anything we did a whole stand episode here so if you've got any comments on on stand setups that you like or any any other pieces of stand advice something you want to share uh, leave us a comment make sure you hit the like button and subscribe to our youtube channel uh, if you're listening anywhere else thanks for listening um and rate our our podcast here if, if you can if you like it uh, those five star ratings are are huge for us so if you could do that we'd really appreciate it that would be that'd be pretty big mm -hmm. all right guys thank you for watching and listening We'll see you guys next time.